heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Well, welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kent Del Husay, and of course, Ben is here with me. Good morning. Good to be here. Uh, we're, we're actually going to talk about something today because we have a special guest, and her name is Kristen Overton. Kristen, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Glad to have Kristen join us. Uh, so Kristen is a friend of LTI. LTI is at the Love and Transformation Institute. You hear us talk a lot about that on this podcast. It's the organization that is a nonprofit that um, the Growth Junkies kind of birthed out of. So this is a podcast for the Love and Transformation Institute. And so we have guests periodically to talk about subjects relevant to growth. So you know we are the Growth Junkies. Uh, ben and I are two of them, but we know there's a lot more of you out there. So anybody that sort of is interested in personal growth and development would resonate with this podcast. And we try to talk about subjects uh, regarding personal development and growth and hoping that we can stimulate conversation and thought and that you might come along with us. And so we pick up people along the way who are growth junkies who really resonate with the vision of LTI and the growth junkies. And Kristen is one of those people. And so we're really excited to get to know Kristen. We actually have a backstory here. Um, ben and Kristen have been getting to know each other a little bit. And I'll let Ben talk about that. But I came into it a little bit later when we had lunch. And we sat down over food, which is the best mm -hmm. place, break some bread <laughs> and, and get to know one another. And we asked Kristen a series of questions. And one of the questions was, as you looked at the four dimensions of human health, which is the book that we spent a lot of time talking about and working through here on this podcast, we asked Kristen, um, you know, as a, as a therapist and a counselor, you know, who understands a lot about this, well, what are some areas uh, that need to be filled in? Perhaps some gaps in the curriculum that we've mm -hmm. created. And a big one that she noticed and mentioned was the issue of trust. So we are going to be spending this uh, this particular podcast on the issue of trust, which is a big one, uh, relational Huge. trust. And so, yeah. Ben, do you want to give a little backstory as well to you and Kristen and how you got to know each other and why she's one of our friends here? Yeah, I was introduced to Kristen uh, from a friend of mine. And the moment from the moment we sat down, there was a, kind of a kindred uh, spirit to our relationship of the things we like to talk about, mm -hmm. uh, the things that we were discussing, and uh, it pretty much started there. And we gave you the four dimensions of human health. You went through it. Like Kent said, we we had lunch. But I think that uh, when you get amongst your people, you identify them really quickly, and that happened certainly with us. And just been a lot of conversations ever since. I, I resonate with what you were saying, Kent, about running into other growth junkies out there and you come along them, they come along uh, throughout and you find them in life and uh, you just begin to walk with them. Mm -hmm. And that's somewhat what we've done definitely together. Yeah. And so we thought to have you talk about this, this subject and topic with your experience would be very helpful mm -hmm. uh, to the growth junkie listeners kind of version 2.0 of, of four dimensions like we were talking about before we went on the air like four dimensions was never meant to be exhaustive mm -hmm. uh, it, it's more a starting point yeah and so we know that there's going to be subjects and topics we add over the years and 
um, and in the future. So sure. why don't you give us a little bit about your background yeah. um, so our listeners can become familiar with you sure. and what you've done? Yeah. Well, I've lived in Boise for about 22 years now. I uh, have a master's in social work and worked in the community um, as a licensed social worker um, at various agencies throughout the Valley. Um, and then I became the director of counseling at Cole Valley Christian School mm-hmm. in 2013 and have been working there ever since. Um, I've had the opportunity to engage in a couple of different parachurch ministries along the way over the course of my career. And um, really, I'm really passionate, as you both are, about health and mm-hmm. holistic health and human flourishing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, in the therapeutic world about pathology and mm-hmm. fixing what's wrong with us. But um, <laughs> I tend to really um, try to focus on my attention on um, how have we been designed with innate strengths? What are the innate mm-hmm. strengths that we have and how can we move towards those mm-hmm. um, in a way that really um benefits ourselves, but even more importantly, benefits other people in relationships. So, mm-hmm. um, so as we talk about relationship, as you guys in your book um, have talked about relationship, I've really appreciated the insights that you've had and mm-hmm. the things that you've touched on. I think trust is something that has been implied mm-hmm. in several of your chapters. Um, and maybe we ha- just need to talk about it a little bit more overtly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and I think in our culture today, um, we don't really use the word trust very often. We kind of <laughs> prefer to use the word connection. Mm-hmm. And connection's a good word, um, but if we think about it in terms of, you know, how social media uses connection and how we kind of throw the word around uh, a little bit loosely, mm-hmm. um, I think we have to start to really define what we mean by that and how it actually relates to and enhances and informs mm-hmm. relationship. And so how did trust for you begin to surface as kind of a primary quality that you were focusing on, I guess, in your practice or mm-hmm. just as you engaged with people over time? Because it seems like that that is something that is central. Obviously, it mm-hmm. is to everything that we do in, in, as far as growth and maturity, mm-hmm. but it's something you've really looked at intently. So yeah. how did that begin to surface yeah. for you? You know, I think for me personally, it to be honest and frank, it began to surface um, several years ago, probably during my college years, when I began mm-hmm. to look at my own history and my own family history mm-hmm. and realize that um, trust was sort of an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't something that I formed easily. Uh, took me a long time to develop that with people. And um, just through my own journey of learning more about myself and learning what it means to trust other people and what that looks like in relationship, I began to dive into it more deeply. Then when I started my career, um, it was really sort of integral in what I was doing Mm -hmm. because I was doing a lot of relational-based counseling and um, have been involved with, you know, like I said, a parachurch ministry and some transformationally-based kinds of things Mm -hmm. and realizing how critical trust is to relationship, really to the point of being able to definitively say you know, without trust, you don't really have much of a relationship. Right. It's a pretty shallow mm-hmm. interaction with someone. It's more of an acquaintance. Yeah. Um, and so the more I have delved into that myself, um, just for my own personal well-being, um, you know, issues that have come up in my marriage and with really close friends and even mm-hmm. work relationships, 
Um, it's something that I think we deal with as human beings every single day, whether we're aware of it and acknowledging it or not. <laughs> very true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you have any questions for her here? Because we're, what we're going to do here at some point is we're going to peel back the layers mm-hmm. on this discussion of trust and kind of the form of talking about it as the anatomy of trust. What are all the elements that go into that? What are the things that we need to be thinking about or considering related to trust? But did you have any other questions for her before we jump into that, Kent? Well, I have a lot of questions you know, about <laughs> trust. I, I, I agree. You know, it's almost this formal word. It sounds like it's something that belongs in a contract, you know, or a negotiation. Mm-hmm. And yet we use it, but normally in a negative sense, like I've lost trust or I don't trust you or I can't trust you. Yes, I don't trust you anymore. There's a lot of that. You know, I think if we yeah. use it in a negative form, you know, it's almost like an evidence of something that's presumed and assumed mm-hmm. in relationship until it's violated mm-hmm. and broken. That's true. And so I think it's good to, to start with the, the positive view of it. Mm-hmm. And since what is trust, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why is it so important? Yeah. And then why does it hurt so badly when it's broken? Yeah. Like, I feel like those are the things I really want to explore here in this mm-hmm. conversation. I would suspect mm-hmm. that our listeners probably are all invested in this. Mm-hmm. Probably every one of us has been hurt by a, uh, you know, a broken trust something we discover early on. Maybe we don't have the, the words to describe it until later in life. Like, what is it that hurts so badly? Oh, it was trust that was violated. Somebody lied, somebody deceived, somebody betrayed. And I got to say, I think betrayal is one of the, the, the worst things that we can feel. And what is it? It's betrayal of trust. I trusted you. So I think a lot of us struggle with trust. Mm-hmm. We have a hard time trusting other people because it's been violated and broken in the past. And yet it's vital for relationship. And I think you're so right about this, Kristen. I think, you know, we can't have real relationship with someone we can't trust. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many of us have these guards and these walls up and we don't let people in because we don't trust. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why? Because trust is earned. Mm -hmm. It's earned. Like you you can break trust quickly. Mm -hmm but you don't get it immediately. Right. It's got to be earned over time. And I think a lot of us, you know, fail to appreciate that until it's gone. Right. So anyway, I have lots of questions I want to explore. Yeah. And I'm just super interested in, um, in hearing you talk a little bit, you know, Kristen, just about, you know, what we call the anatomy of trust. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot yeah. of work on this, the yeah. anatomy of trust. And I'd love to just kind of let you go. Yeah. And talk to our listeners about what is trust, why does it matter, mm-hmm. and how do we cultivate it? Well, and and real quick before that, because sure. he mentioned about trust being earned. And is there a level of trust? Because I remember saying back in a previous podcast that like trust is two two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. That it's there's one side that's earned, and then there's another side that's freely given. Mm-hmm. And so interact with that a little bit too mm-hmm. like because is there a mm-hmm. level of trust somewhat mm-hmm. that is that we just naturally give mm. yeah because um, yeah. certainly we know about this earned peace every sure. one of us in some regard yeah. Um, yeah but just as you kind of go through this um, I'd love to hear you address that at some point maybe. yeah yeah well I yeah. can I can start with that and then maybe back up a little bit I think mm-hmm. you know do we do we just freely trust depending you know regardless in in relationship. I think, you know, that partly depends on personality, partly depends on our background and our history Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, those of us who were raised in pretty safe environments and very secure homes with very committed and attached relationships, Mm 
um, tend to be secure and confident and have no reason not to trust. And mm-hmm. so we're more inclined to freely give fairly quickly, fairly mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kent, like you were saying, referring to earlier, you know, those of us who have experienced a lack of trust or a betrayal mm-hmm. um, or deception or um, any kind of abandonment, those kinds of things early on in our lives, we tend to be very um, slow and reticent, right. you know, in relationship to extend that we have to sort of dip our toe in the water mm-hmm. and it has to be a little more incremental for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a progression to it, I think for most of us, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, but I work with teenagers primarily. <laughs> and so, um, I will kind of start from that vantage point because I think it's actually helpful to us as adults as well to, Think about how do we talk about relationship? How do we talk about connection in this day and age where um, there's so much of our, uh, you know, quote unquote connections with people that are socially mediated? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of research that's being done on the effects of social media on our psyche, on our emotions, our relationships, and the quality of each of those aspects mm-hmm. of our lives, right? And um, one of the things that has been concluded is um, particularly for teenagers, so particularly uh, kids in that 13 to 17-year-old bracket, um, but even beyond that, that is uh, we have never been more connected, quote-unquote connected, <laughs> but we can have also never been more lonely. Yeah. Mm. And so I think that's there's a lot to that statement. And I think if mm-hmm. we unpack that a little bit, yeah. Really what we're saying there is we're trying to get at what is the essence of connection Mm -hmm. and what do we really mean by being connected with someone. Um, Being connected on social media as far as how many friends we have and, you know, the numbers that we can log Mm -hmm. on Instagram or Facebook or what have you, um, that doesn't necessarily define connection or equal true connection. Mm -hmm. Um, I think real connection, what we're talking about is a mutual sharing and understanding of one another. So a mutual sharing with someone else, I'm willing to give something, I'm willing to extend some vulnerability and take some risk, and I'm willing to have the humility to be quiet and listen to you Mm -hmm. and to really engage with you and to really try to gain an understanding of who you are. So it's it's both sides of that. Well, loneliness is something we've talked about extensively on this podcast over the episodes, for sure, because it's one of those epidemics that uh, continues to show up at the top mm-hmm. on, sure. on the lists for sure. across the board. And um, there's an author, Johan Hari, who said mm-hmm. uh, the way he defined loneliness in his book, Lost Connections, I thought was great. He said, loneliness occurs when you have nothing meaningful to share with another person. Mm-hmm. It kind of drives at what you just said about this right. meaningful part of connection and relationship. Right, right. And I think, unfortunately, so many of us today, and I think this is what I see you know, so often in teens in particular, is what I like to call counterfeit connection. Mm-hmm. Um, because counterfeit connection is really, there's not a lot of substance to it. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're sharing information, we're sharing photos, we're sharing experiences, we're sharing hopes and dreams perhaps. Um, but are we really exchanging that, that sense of meaning that you were referring to? Like, are we really giving some of ourselves? Are we risking something um, and really trusting that person to engage with us in return? Mm-hmm. Um, and when that's absent, I think that's when that loneliness starts to creep in. So we may have thousands of friends 
friends on social media, mm-hmm. um, but still be experiencing that loneliness. Well, and you can put something very meaningful to you in a social media post, but and we sure. probably won't get to understanding this today, but there sure. it seems like there's something missing from mm-hmm. that kind of interconnectivity or what we consider to be connectivity. Mm-hmm. There's just something lacking in meaning mm-hmm. from that exchange. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because sure. it's not face to face or you really can't get quite get a read on a person when you're sharing it. But mm-hmm. that to me is quite fascinating. And I don't think yeah. we'll be able to get to the bottom of that today. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I want to ask something, I, I, you know, neuroscience, you know, mm-hmm. fits in this a little bit. Absolutely. And I think part of the dynamic is eye to, eyeball to eyeball. Absolutely. And you yeah. don't get that in social media. Right. So exactly. the mirror neurons are firing, yep. the connections are built. There's something about being physically in the same place to where you can make eye contact that forges relationship that's yes. absent in social media. And so you can't see so-called the whites of their eyes. Right. Right. You know, how do you know what they're really thinking or how they really feel about you? Right. And like even yesterday, I caught myself, I went through my Facebook list of friends and I actually started deleting, I, I have like like international people, like I don't even know who these people are, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, I, I have no relationship with them. Mm-hmm. I have no history, no trust with them. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't feel comfortable putting my stuff on even social media because we have no relationship. I don't know who they are. So I went for myself going through my list and deleting so-called friends mm-hmm. that aren't really friends. Sure. I have sure. no, I have never had a real conversation with them. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I find myself, and maybe I'm not the only one, starting to retreat a little bit, even on social media, where uh, I know there's people I haven't seen in years, but I have some eyeball to eyeball contact with them at some point. Right. And those are the people I want to continue to build relationship with. Because right. we can't even handle thousands of friends right you can't <laughs> right honestly i'm, I'm wondering no. like, how many real friends can realistic. you really have right exactly because friendship takes work mm-hmm. it takes interaction it takes mm-hmm. proximity right absolutely yeah it so does. what do you think yeah. how many yeah. how many friends can a person really have in life like true meaningful friendships well you know i think i um my husband and i have this debate all the time because he is a very extroverted personality and i'm a fairly introverted personality so you know i'm this sort of quintessential i have you know half a dozen friends that i go very deep with and he has several you know mm-hmm. his his net ca- is cast wide and and he maintains a lot of those relationships mm-hmm. you know and he's very gregarious and outgoing and you know so some of that comes down to personality um, but I wanted to get back to what you said a second ago, Kent, about uh, just really the non the importance of nonverbal communication yeah. and and the role that that plays in us being able to connect with another human being. Mm. I've uh, like all teachers now in this time that we're in, I've been teaching my psychology class online for the last several weeks. and some of my students don't have cameras. and I'm realizing, mm. you know, obviously it's a very different world that we're, and right now in in teaching online and having to do it through Zoom calls or Microsoft Teams or what have you. Um, but if I am not able to connect with my students and being able to see their faces on camera and be able to see their eyes and know that they're engaging, um, it really throws me off. Like I, I, it's almost like I don't know what to do because all I'm doing is mm-hmm. listening. I think something else I've paid attention to lately is just I much prefer a FaceTime conversation with someone mm-hmm. than a phone call even. Um, and I think, you know, just the last several weeks that we've been in the situation that we've been in with this pandemic, it's 
it's been a lot more apparent to me how important it is to have that, like you were saying, eyeball mm-hmm. to eyeball interaction with someone yeah. um, because you really green, glean so much more and your your intuition kicks in. You know, mm-hmm. you start to really notice things that you're mm-hmm. not able to mm-hmm. absorb when you're just in a verbal conversation mm-hmm. with someone or you're just typing in words, you know, on a page. So, yeah. And I found myself early in the coronavirus stuff being grateful that I had Zoom to have or FaceTime to have mm-hmm. these conversations mm-hmm. as it's continued on because mm-hmm. a lot of the regular contact that I would have with people either over a lunch or something like that mm-hmm. where I would see that or coffee um, are now solely on Zoom and I'm finding myself frustrated by yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Like yes. it's shifted. I've noticed right. that about myself and I'm like, I'm right. so over this. Right. And mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll be interested to see and you might have something to say about this. Mm-hmm what that's going to look like going forward uh, as this continues, because it seems that this isn't changing anytime soon, like dramatically. It's going to be very slow. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Well, and so much of connection, so much of human connection and interaction is being able to be present in the same space with someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, I've caught myself so many times over the last few weeks going in to hug someone, right, Mm. that I would typically hug and greet them, you know, and suddenly I'm going, oh, yeah, I have to step back. Wait, what do we, yeah. Social distancing has become a curse. That's right. I've actually been hugging. Is that bad? Uh, Well, you wearing a face mask when you hug Ben? No. (laughs) Yeah, that's bad. I don't wear a mask, which is probably very offensive to some people. You're you're invading personal space. I guess. Yep. I'm not great with rules. Well, to your point, though, I, I read, I saw this recently. There was a news story, and it's kind of a, a topic right now that there's this like um, Zoom exhaustion, you know, yeah. sort of because yeah. as much as you can pick up on some more cues by seeing their faces, you right. can't see their bodies, right? And especially with many people on the screen, mm-hmm. it's exhausting to yeah. try to read everybody and pick up on cues that mm-hmm. you would pick up on in a room with them. Mm-hmm. Right. So I do think there's limitations. Mm-hmm. I would think that that it's this these things are complementary. Even social media is complementary, but it doesn't replace real, tangible, physical proximity to other people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that's the danger living in this social distance world that we are. Um, you know, we're putting masks over our faces and we're standing far apart. And I do worry. I, I am concerned mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. about will we reclaim real social connection. Mm-hmm. That's that's trust right. that only can be built really truly in being in the same room as somebody else. Sure. So sure. I do think it's an issue, and I think yeah. you know you you talk about safety, mm-hmm. finding safe people. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how safe I feel. Certainly, like I said, you know, on Facebook, you know, posting to people that don't know me and I don't know them. Um, there's not there's no safety there really. I think there's limited safety in being in a Zoom call because at least you can see people's faces, but still don't feel totally safe. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder in this world what we can do to forge trust mm-hmm. in this environment that we're in. Yeah. How do we build safe relationships? Yeah. How do we build trust? I think it's it's a bigger question even now than it was two months ago. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Um, you know, for trust is something that you have to have something in your tank that you're starting with. Um, but then at some point you have to be willing to kind of step out and take a risk Mm -hmm. and, um, go forward, even in the unknown, even Mm -hmm. in the uncertainty of how is this person going to respond? Mm -hmm. Um, how are they going to receive me? Am I going to be accepted? Are they going to identify with what I have to say? Are we going to be able to understand each other? Um, for all of us, we're, we're risking when we take that step forward with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I think that starts with 
how do we go about navigating um, and determining who a, who a person, who what per people are safe in right. our lives? And how do we de make that determination as we engage with people, particularly people that we're meeting for the first time mm. or we're just getting to know? Um, we have to have that ability to be discerning um, for us to be able to get to a place of comfort to mm -hmm. be able to kind of take that risk and go forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So over the next few minutes, give our listeners kind of a framework of mm -hmm. basically uh, who and how mm -hmm. we trust. Yeah. So yeah. this kind of comes right out of your own thinking. So yeah. walk us through that. Yeah. So, you know, I think the first step is um, how do we determine that someone is worth trusting, mm. that someone is um, worthy of our trust. You know, I think mm. we have to ask ourselves some questions and make some observations over time. Mm. Um, I think it's helpful to see and observe people engaging with other people. Um, this is something I, you know, I've kind of taught my children growing up is, mm. you know, use your trust yourself, trust your gut, do a lot of observing, see how people are interacting with other people. Mm. Um, and and read them and allow that intuition that God's given you to kick in, you know, and be um, operational for you. Mm -hmm. J.B. Smith, who um, wrote a book called The Good and Beautiful God, uh, mm -hmm. he was highly mentored by a favorite author of mine, mm -hmm. uh, Dallas Willard. And, mine too. Um, yeah. <laughs> Me just, three. Yes. <laughs> here, here. Um, so he has a great quote in his book, and it says, to trust someone is to believe that he or she has your best interests in mind, that the person will protect you from harm and is reliable. Mm. Okay. So some qualifiers there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think if we keep that in mind, those criteria in line, we're looking for people who we think are going to be equally invested in the relationship. Mm. Is this someone who's not only capable of taking from me, but giving to me in a mutual mm. reciprocity um, based relationship? Mm -hmm. um, are they willing to own their own issues and mistakes? Now, this is something that maybe mm. we don't a, we're not able to see, you know, right at first. It takes some time to develop to see when we get to a point of disagreement or conflict, how does that person respond? How do they engage? Mm -hmm. um, are they someone who is not only willing to forgive, but also seeks forgiveness? Um, and so there's a humility there. Um, mm -hmm. And we can come back to that because there, there's, we'll talk about conflict in just a minute. Mm. Um, but making those identifications as we're getting to know people. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, we, we trust by w being willing to take a risk and share our true selves with people that we have deemed safe or have suspected are safe mm -hmm. um, by being willing to extend some vulnerability. So I, I like to think of this, and this is, you know, largely how I operate myself is I just sort of dip my toe in the water. If I'm getting to know someone for the first time, I might share something, you know, that's fairly trivial about my life. And then as, mm -hmm. as they prove themselves trustworthy, mm -hmm. as they prove themselves to be a safe person, mm -hmm. I will progressively mm -hmm. um, grow more vulnerable with that person, with what I share. And I'm also asking good questions at mm -hmm. the same time. I'm trying to be a, a trustworthy, safe person for them at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm allowing them, I'm giving them opportunity to share the same with me and and what I do with that is vitally important. Mm -hmm. um, as we continue in that kind of dance with each other where we're risking some risking some vulnerability and we're taking steps towards trusting, that connection starts to grow and um, that relationship starts mm -hmm. to deepen. In the process of that, as we're getting to know someone, 
what's inevitably coming is conflict. Eventually, mm-hmm. we will get to the point where we're comfortable enough with that person where we will be able to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. And there will be some conflict that inevitably ensues. And then what comes after that is how we work through that conflict. Mm. Yeah. And so let's do that. Let's explore that in the next episode. I think we have more to talk about here. Vulnerability, conflict is inevitable. And conflict can be helpful. Absolutely. We've talked a bit about that on this podcast, Mm. that conflict serves a purpose if we know how to do it. Sure. Yeah. And how to process it. And I think the key there is trust. Like you said, it's the idea if we have trust then we can have a conflict and realize that it will serve our relationship well if we handle it well. Yeah, yeah it can and we're actually yes. can actually deepen our relationship. Absolutely. So not to it fear it. Right. So right. I think it's what I hear you saying is you know, we need to seek out safe people and the way that we do that is putting the toe in the water. Mm-hmm. Sort of put something out there to see how they respond and if they meet you toe to toe so to speak. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, if they do, then you feel like you have something to build on and, and see what else is there. Otherwise, if they don't, then you're not going to have that relationship with them probably. Sure. Because some folks just either can't or aren't willing to go there. Sure. Yeah. So it's discerning, you know, yeah. what kind of people are safe, but we need safe people. We need to have Absolutely. these relationships. And so um, we're going to talk more about that. Uh, Kristen Overton is our guest here today. You're listening to the Growth Junkies podcast with uh, Ben Bost and Kent Del Husay. And we... Uh, have invited her here to join us because she is a, a counselor. She works with teenagers. Um, she's a therapist. She gets all this, uh, highly values the issue of trust. And we realize that this is foundational for us in our relationships. And we want to spend more time talking about this. So we're going to, we'll do another episode on this uh, here on the Growth Junkies podcast. But we want to let you know that we've been talking a bit about the four dimensions of human health which is a book that we produced at the Love and Transformation Institute. You can get this book on Amazon. It is a workbook and you actually work your way through it and touch on these subjects relative to personal growth and development. So you can get that on Amazon, follow along with us. You can get in touch with us at the Love and Transformation Institute at loveandtransformation.org. And you can write us at info at loveandtransformation.org. And you can do what Kristen did. You can suggest a topic, maybe something we should talk about here on the podcast. And maybe we even invite you in to talk with us about it. So we invite that. We love your feedback. We love your comments. We love your suggestions. So get in touch with us. So thanks for listening. We look forward to continuing this conversation on the subject of trust on the Growth Junkies podcast. See you next time.